1: Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture joining my godly boys, Michael Hamlet from What Cultures. Look ahead to this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Uh... Where we do daily wrestling podcasts. where We not only review AEW Collision, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT2. Oh! Ooh. Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, round table discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet to look ahead to this weekend's AEW Collision Show. No Michael Sidgwick, still get well soon, mate. Um, but I want to talk to you about this show before we get into the card, because they've got that awesome steel cage elimination match to get into. To talk about the sort of wider picture of AEW. Because obviously. It's a huge match going on this weekend, but I already know the Knives are going to be out for AEW because they're going to get slaughtered on Saturday night because they're going up against the Royal Rumble, of course. Um, People will neglect to mention that. They'll just say, oh, the ratings are hugely down or whatever it may be, and it's only the hard cores that remain. Mm -hmm. Having said that, you and I sat here on Thursday and reviewed a sparsely attended episode of AEW Dynamite. Uh, Ratings, obviously, not what they were either. I've had Sidious thoughts on this on previous collision previews. I'd be fascinated to to know your thoughts on the comparisons between AEW and WCW 2000. I think it's a bit of a stretch, but do you think they're unfair?
2: I've never liked any comparisons between AEW and WCW, because I think... At their core, they're rooted in a really pointless... Um, well, a pointless point of comparison. They are... I think a lot of the times people jump onto that comparison because it's <clears throat> uh, on a... Well, Turner, I know that's like old head, but TBS and TNT as Nitro and Thunder Thunderwear, um, they are in direct opposition to uh, WWE, as WCW was. Um, and they are... <laughs> Debates will rage, but absolutely like a challenger brand slash legitimate competition to WWE as the market leader. These are very easy reasons um, to consider. And then you've got things like the Collision logo and Tony Schiavone and a million little aesthetic things that Tony Khan simply just liked about his old wrestling that he's wanting to include on his. So all of that sort of, uh, all of those reasons as to why. The landscape is what we need to look at, not those... Like, not coincidences, but not those particular reference points, the landscape of 2024. And indeed, the market that AEW earned their place in in 2019, Mm. AEW only came to be because WWE were kind of squandering a monopoly. Mm -hmm. And the elite and everything they'd done across New Japan and Ring of Honor were proof of concept uh, through, like, their merchandise sales and everywhere they'd drawn money, that there was definitely a market for a second... North American mainstream, Tony Khan was shrewd enough to see that, well, hang on, if WWE, and it's this poor, are getting <laughs> this big uh, chunk of a TV rights deal, then surely there's a little bit of that pie for me as well. Yeah. So, EW exists on those core tenets, and by the way, um, I don't know where you live, but I've got a house in the world, and they if do. anybody else happens to and they listen to this, you can read the long-form version of this by my esteemed colleague, Michael Sidgwick, with the rise Uh, of AEW. His book sort of documents all of these. Loads of happenstance, loads of wrestling and all the like of it, but it came to be for a very set of logical reasons. WCW, on the other hand, was a total basket case organisation that for about two and a half years had a very forward-thinking creative executive in Eric Bischoff. A couple of good ideas and a bunch of stars with which to very briefly overturn WWE in the same way that, I don't know, like Pepsi's branding was briefly cooler than Coca-Cola's. Yeah. Like, plenty can exist and sometimes it's nice to try something new, but it was already this, like I say, this basket case thing that everything came good and then ultimately fell away as it simply only featured as a program on a network. AW could and should command a... I'm going along on this, by the way, but I, d- I feel like that Collision is what it is most weeks. And I think yeah. this is like sort of...
1: No, I'm intrigued to know your like
2: thoughts. Like, it's... Um, the point I'm trying to get to with this bit of it is that, like, AW, when WCB went under, the ratings weren't... Weren't much anymore. 2000's product was horrendous. Vince Russo's writing—thanks to the shout out on the podcast a little while ago for the Survivor <laughs> Series coverage. Vince Russo's writing was like it was disaster piece theater. It was enjoyable but not in all the right ways. And I think it speaks
1: it w- volumes that I didn't see that that sort of, that had happened. By the me way. neither. Me neither. Amazing. Like
2: a YouTube short threw that at I me mean, just last night. Um, uh, ultimately, two thousand and one WCW was quite good when they seem to be recovering creative. But then a man called Jamie Kellner uh, took a prominent executive job. Within the network, and said, I don't like wrestling. And that was that. There was no new rights feat again. There wasn't really a company that looked in particularly good health with which to fight back. Guy read Guy Evans, Nitro, for like, again, full on that. I'm just trying to break down the very basics. Also, c- that
1: mentality does not compute with me. Well, I don't like wrestling. Well, I don't like you then. Yeah, well,
2: exactly. Yeah. In contrast to all of that, AEW could and should, because it deserves it, be getting a substantial uplift for Dynamite when the TV rights deal comes to you. They've been, TBS uh, and TNT, WBD, have been getting AEW a steal based on um, what simply didn't exist before, that AEW have found. Pro wrestling draws audiences in ways that a lot of traditional television doesn't. It We talked about this before. Skews the line between... Uh, live sports and scripted entertainment in a way that people want to watch live and people don't want to watch telly live anymore, so wrestling exists in that grey area. WWE is about to move wholesale to Netflix, so AEW will be the only one on television at such a rate. I know um, other promotions like your TNAs and your MLWs have pockets of exposure, but not on a par with AEW. They're going to get millions. They're going to get millions and millions and millions and millions. Now, the company's existence and the company's... Uh, financial, like thriving ultimately in difficult times doesn't necessarily mean that the product is going to be to your liking. It doesn't necessarily mean that the television show is going to be catered to your taste and that's what I'm trying to come to when it comes to the other comparison to WCW. It was, for the most part, a pretty terrible show in its declining years. 2001 did show signs of life, but the the damage was done. Yes. and, And a person that could swing the axe was in the chair to do it. And those two things matter. If it's Ted Turner and absolutely nobody else, WCW goes on and on and on and on and on. But he wasn't, and the product just simply wasn't fighting for itself. AW would be fine. The product fought enough for itself. However, and that's why it's not WCW. My long answer to your short question yeah. it's fundamentally that's why it's not WCW. However, to your point about dynamite this week and to uh, a lot of people's conversations last year and ours and others' uh, state of AEW addresses when you kind of felt yeah. the creative yeah. decline, um, let's, with the very show we're going to talk about collision can be blown off. Numbers-wise, this week because it's going up against the Rumble and traditionally against the Saturday PLEs or even NXT ones, AW does not perform that well. Yeah. So let's write this one off completely. But to look at Dynamite this week and AW as like as a wider uh, organization in a period of change, I back to the hilt Tony Carr's decision to book this Collision main event, just in the same way that I back him to book. Uh, Brian Danielson versus Eugene Nagata, yeah. or to bring back the rankings, or to uh, direct Hook into the main event—not out of nowhere, but kind of seemingly out of nowhere for those that don't really understand why Hook could get a title, or do things that your base will love. Anybody that is complaining about AW putting this cage match on whilst watching the Royal Rumble cares more about watching the Royal Rumble than they do about Karen Collision. Yes, ergo. Just let the AW Hardcores have this one. If yes. you are an AW uh hardcore fan to such an extent that you don't particularly care about the Royal Rumble and your Saturday is it's a collision. And that's just that's how your brain works. You're going to be rewarded with a match that tells you that Tony Khan is thinking more of you than of all the people he's going to lose to the Rumble. I think that's and like I love FTR. Uh loads of people have I like a lot of House of Black. Like that is not what I would consider, even in a cage, it's not what I consider it to be this, like, you're leaving money on the table, putting it in the death spot. But it's something really nice for the hardcores. Yeah. Give them that. Because the ticket sales are, should be of concern. The silence in the buildings. Dynamite, right, for million directions, I'm sorry. Dynamite on Wednesday, to me, felt like more of a reflection of a dead product than some of those weeks where the show was much worse in yeah, 2023. Yeah. When there was chaos and there was lots of things people didn't like, I still think there was maybe atmosphere. I still think some weeks there was bigger crowds. Something like Wednesday's Dynamite that wasn't even a bad show felt like a worse one because of the lack of atmosphere, because of the low number. So maybe if we're going to be, you know, and I'm a new generation WWF fan, and you see those roars from high school gyms where you can see the basketball hoop in the background, like, I didn't care because I was watching Bret Hart versus the One Two Three kid <laughs> But, like, the building in Poughkeepsie, New York, that they would run for Raw, always looked minuscule, and I didn't care because Randy Savage and Crush were having the summit. The product was, for me, regardless of, clearly it wasn't for in the mainstream, AEW should trust their own process, I believe. They're not going the way of the dodo. They're not going the way of WCW. The times ahead might not get much better. Yeah. I think 2024, 20, Sidge made a point, and I think he was right to flag it. It's great the rankings are coming back. It's great that it appears like the women's division is being stacked quantity-wise. Let's see if the quality can pay that off. There are a lot of things that have got a lot of people racing to the power is back button. For me, approach that with cautious optimism and let that uh, be the story of 2024. Cautious optimism, not boom, bang, bang, everything's back. Yes. Just back on the right track. Yeah. Back like It takes just as long to turn the wheel back in the opposite direction. So, like, let that turn gracefully and slowly and just over time, show your fans that you still understand them, that you can still reward them, and and you'll be fine. They're not WCW. It's not even really a basket case product. No, you know, I mean, Tony Khan might present that aesthetic sometimes. He's a bit of a nutcase. <laughs> but, like, it's not this sort of... Like, do you know, AEW's biggest problem for me right now, Sid used to say that the Young Bucks never had a good match because they were incapable of it. All they had was great, Right. That's not the case for the Young Bucks anymore, and that's not the case for AEW anymore. AEW's biggest problem is that it is simply just a show. Yeah. Like, it is no longer, I don't think, maybe I'm just speaking to my tastes here, uh, So you'll be well next week, and you won't have to put up for me on the air. So much <laughs> AEW content. It is no longer um, a show that maybe, I was going to say lights the fuse, but, like, lights the flame inside you like it used to. It is a good wrestling show, that occasionally sparkles. And I think you can't, you just simply cannot magic back that frisson, that feeling. You got yourself ill staying up watching these shows. Oh, God, and I and That's 2019, I don't even like half of them. Like, you just, you can't magic it back. You can't magic the feeling back. The fans are full to the brim of every genre that AW is offered. So, slow process of telling good stories and... You know, we're going to talk about some here. Maybe asking questions of why really matches are happening or why they matter. Like, there's going to be a long stretch of that. But if you're in it, you're probably in it for keeps. And yes. if you're in it for keeps, you're going to make time for this collision. Royal Rumble notwithstanding, you're going to be glad that you did. And AEW should keep following that mindset, I believe. Uh, like, stay, stay the course, hold the wheel. As the cribs say, and "Be safe." <laughs> uh, just don't expect the drive to suddenly get a lot more quick and exciting. Yeah, I
1: think they're going to. I think they are going to, or they already have plateaued. Um,
2: I think eight hundred odd
1: thousand on a Wednesday, four five hundred thousand on a good day on a Friday Saturday.
2: Just something else as well, because we talked about this over the desks and not on microphone. That I believe um, this WWE Netflix deal could and should have a knock on effect to AW. Yeah, Tony Khan like a few weeks ago when various little rumours were circling that like apparently WWE was sniffing around WBD or vice versa. Yeah. David Zares laugh. You know, when he calls me one Bill Phil, all that sort of stuff. Uh, that's gone now. <laughs> Tony Khan should be kicking the door down and be like, uh, where are we at with these negotiations, lads? Because I uh, understand you uh, need a wrestling show and i got just the one for you. Yeah. Trouble, quadruple, whatever my uh, rights fee, please. In the same breath... Netflix and WWE means that you can kind of put your telly wherever you want. Like, we assume that Raw will stay on Mondays. We assume that wherever the USA moves SmackDown to, then that day will become where SmackDown lives and NXT and so on and so on and so on. They don't have to. Like, they could come at AEW in an altogether different way. Raw on a Wednesday, a special... um, Hey, as you know, on Netflix, every Wednesday is Rockin' Austin night. uh, And they some like fresh (laughs) interviews every week. It's uh, like CM Punk's on the Stone Cold Sessions on the first Wednesday, whatever. They could and probably will do some of that dirty trick stuff. We saw it with NXT in 2019. So that's like a new, fresh um, obstacle for AEW to potentially overcome. But, again, if it can just stabilize now in times that should start to feel a little bit more certain, like, the war can be fun. Yes, the new battles can be fun. Like, things are about to be fought on a very different front. And, yeah, if you're still reading WCW comparisons in 2024, I think you're probably reading the wrong ones. Sorry, Let's, that was long, wasn't it? I no, no,
1: was, it's really interesting. And, and just to reiterate, this version of WWE doesn't exist without AEW? Uh,
2: no, I, think, um, I don't think competition is what made the show better. I think... Like, Vince McMahon being a garbage person, not being associated with the creative direction made it better. Uh, But I do think interest in the industry as a whole and the obvious... Uh, the obvious improvements in circumstances for talents Yes has motivated much of what we've seen I, like look up, like we're recording this head of the rumble right and who are the two people looking to face off most yes. with Cody Rhodes and CM Punk Cody Rhodes is not a big star without forming a company CM Punk is not back in the company and in the conversation the way he is without going through AEW first
1: I still remember doing a voiceover probably about five years ago now saying here's what the business might look like in five years mm. and we were you know This was back when we were being accused of being shills for AEW, I think that year. It oscillates (laughs) on a, well, daily basis now. Um, Maybe it's the fact that we've got, on the one side of me, a big AEW fan, on the other side of me, a big WWE fan, and I kind of flip-flop between the two of them, Mm. try and strike a balance, and just try and stay positive, to be perfectly honest. Um, But I did a voiceover, I think written by Uh Sige, and I didn't read it as like a, God, this boy's shilling for his company yet again. He wrote about how, in five years' time, AEW's probably going to be beating Raw in the ratings. And I think we all kind of agreed that, that was probably the way it was trending.
2: 2021, definitely felt like it could go in that direction. Um, do you remember what I want to say we were in the building for the first ever WWE in-arena AEW chance? Yes. Which was the Raw right after, after WrestleMania. WrestleMania 35. Yeah. yeah. I think, like, that. It, there was...
1: Gone with with CM Punk chants. You now literally had another place you could say to people, go and watch that instead. Yeah,
2: like, we don't need to chant for wrestlers to do better here. We can chant for an entire different company where those wrestlers can go. Like, it has all happened. It has all manifested. I think 2023 was ultimately, for a load of reasons, by the way, and let's not forget they made history at Wembley. Like, for a bunch of reasons, 2023 and the various states of decline that AW found itself in was the reality of such an uneven 2022, yes. the things don't happen instantly. Just like the good times don't come back overnight, the bad times don't show themselves for quite a while. Yes. If they can, and I know it's just the turning of a day on a calendar, but if they can really put 2023 to bed with World's End as they did and kind of continue this quietly impressive form in 2024, I don't think you're going to have to worry about Dynamites like Wednesdays forever. But you might have to watch them for a bit.
1: Yeah.
0: To get started, visit plushcarecom loss That's plushcarecom loss A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.
1: Uh, let's get on with tonight's show, this weekend's show. I always do that. Um, <laughs> Does you this may- drop
2: on Saturdays, typically, or do you put this up on Friday? Put it out on Friday, uh-huh. which confuses me So you're not even more. doing the little, like, no. sort of audio, like, old old pro DJ bit. Yeah, yeah. I get confused myself. <laughs> I'm
1: getting old now. Um, let's talk Danielson, uh, Eugene Gatta because, well, how do you feel about this, especially having seen the, the uh, ratings with the decline and lack of bump? Yeah. For the main event with uh, with Copeland and Suzuki.
2: Uh to quote the great bad luck Farley, uh <laughs> book Brian Danielson versus Eugene Nagata because a bunch of your fans want to see matches like this. Um Random yeah,
1: hardcores, especially
2: to link back to what you yeah, said, yeah, absolutely. Hardcores, uh, it's a dream match in some circles. It's one of them, kind of like dream isn't exactly the word, but what the hell, like I said, nobody ever in their life had a dream about Adam Copeland and Minoru Suzuki. You saw the graphic and you're like, well, I want to watch it, yeah, like book them, keep booking these things. The dream matches that you that people did talk about, you did book. The uh, the Forbidden Door is a pay-per-view every year now that exists. Like, once a year for AEW versus New Japan. So you're actually, you've extended the dream match to the dream card. So there's no need to, like, sort of worry about trying to, like, read or, like, put your finger on the pulse of what the wrestling fan audience wants. Don't do that. Tony Khan, be a wrestling fan. Wrestlers, be wrestling fans and pitch who you want to fight and see if that jives with Tony Khan and see if it jives with booking and stuff like that. And what you get is Bryan Dinesen versus Eugene Nagata. This is going to be... Super hard-hitting. It's going to be the exact match you expect from Danielson punching, chopping, and kicking his way through his final, in inverted commas, final year <laughs> in Yuji Nagata just with that awesome Never Say Die New Japan dad vibe that we all loved in 2021 when like Mox was working through them. Um, I expect Danielson to win. I think it'll have more of a handshakes and hugs vibes at the end compared to Copeland and Minoru Suzuki on Wednesday when (laughs) Suzuki left in a rage. Uh, And it'll mean absolutely nothing to anybody before, during or after that they didn't have this story going in. It will mean absolutely nothing if you are predisposed to enjoy wrestlers like these two, you will absolutely love this. And Tony Khan knows that the core of that few hundred thousand that are going to tune in are very predisposed to wrestlers like these.
1: I know IRL, Brian Danielson, is a a big big fan of Japanese wrestling. Mm -hmm. Is there any way that he tries to make an example out of Nagata, though, to further that feud where he spat on Kingston on Wednesday night?
2: I don't think so, because I think Danielson does this thing, doesn't he, where he... And I don't love this about him, or for that matter, the Blackpool Combat Club, but he does sort of, character-wise, he does kind of make the rules up as he goes along. Like, you know Brian, because, I don't mean you, like, the general you knows Brian. Yes. Because we've tracked, like, almost all of his career. Like, it, it's fair to call him an indie darling uh-huh. before he signed for WWE in, like, 2009, 2010. But, darling and Indy both understate what a big deal he was. He was the name for years. You had seen Brian Danielson, whether that was on tapes, whether that was uh, at big independent shows the world over, whether that was at the Sunderland Empire, you know, like in a mask as the American (coughs) Dragon, with Gangrel buying crisps at a garage. (laughs) Like, you had seen Brian Danielson, and you knew of him on velocity against John Cena, you know. So you feel like you've lived his whole career with him, and I just think that, like, you accept that he can be the man nasty enough to bully and berate Eddie Kingston, and then at the same time, what, like two weeks earlier at Wrestle Kingdom, bow to Kazuchika Okada, he is permitted to walk the tightrope, and I think he will show reverence to Uni Jigata before he kicks his effing head off.
1: Um, Sorry, I got really confused there, because I appear to, oh, on my notes to have potentially
2: two women's matches yeah. on yeah, well, Collision this it's weekend. it's thing sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um.
1: Speaking of which, shout out to uh, Adam Blair at Adam Wilton for, and Jose Palomares at The Whole Eleven, who always take care of the um, <coughs> data for a uh, ladies' night. Adam Blair sent me a ladies' night quiz that we're going to do when we're next Ooh, back okay. together. This sort of features in it, because the last time they had a two women's match, two women's matches on AEW Dynamite, one of them was Serena Deep's Professor Challenge. Mm-hmm. Great to see that she's back on Collision this weekend.
2: Amazing. I am so hyped for this. I've got to be honest, right? Nothing, and I mean nothing, other than huge news, uh, collision this week to feature CM Punk. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Nothing would pull my eyes away from the Royal Rumble this weekend that AEW could have presented on this show. However, after we've done our stream and I get some sleep, the first thing I will do when I wake up on uh, Sunday will not be to check out the post-Rumble uh, buzz and coverage and conversation. Yeah. I mean why would I need to? I'll have been in it. Check out what went down after we finished our rumble stream. Good work. But I'll be tuning into collision to watch this and I'll be going straight to this. The professor's back and uh, class is in session. Or should I say kicking ass is in session. Um, I've missed Serena Deeb terribly. I hope she's well. I know there was like a long injury recovery yeah. that was discussed. Um, that was a reason for, well, one of the reasons for her absence. Um, I think the division is looking healthier. I, I feel like all of us Are like tiptoeing optimistically to this sort of, and a little bit blindly to this mindset of, are they are they getting it? Like I'm not going
1: to do women's C two. Two
2: two matches is nothing right. Don't like they've done it on collision before. It's a squash and a match, let's be real about this. They're advertising Serena Deeb. They're not saying, Serena Deeb is back, and it's a huge match against... Yeah. The Walker, it's just like, she's going to come back, she's going to kick it, she's going to bend I don't anticipate the... Mariah May losing her match either. Exactly. Like, Serena Deeb's going to bend a knee over her shoulder, Mariah May is going to, like, pound somebody into mincemeat, and they're both going to win the big matches. But they are both, in Serena Deeb's vignettes, and indeed what we already knew about her in the original run, you're bringing back somebody that you know well, and you've got a relationship with. In Mariah May, they have asked you to have the relationship first, Like, you knew all about this character and her motivations before she'd even locked up. Yeah. So, I, like, not high praise, but a certain degree of cautious optimism. And I expect both these matches to go well. That. Lady
1: Frost against Mariah, mate. I really like Lady Frost. I
2: like Lady Frost. uh, Like, a good and entertaining jobber that leaves something with you can hit back and will do. But will these, yes, Mariah, mate, yeah. obviously. Um, yeah, two strong characters I expect coming out of this collision that will both have look, we will both have um s- claims to stake for the titles that they're near. In Mariah's case, the world, in Serena's perhaps the TBS. But think as well about Thunder Rosa, who just on Dynamite kind of called out both champions. Think about Diana Parrazzo, who seems destined to get the next shot for Tony Storm. Um, You know, think about Julia Hart, who was defending her title quite regularly as if to almost tease the possibility of, like, a women's open challenge, which is, like, something whenever they've done with, like, a Jade Cargill or a Chris Statlander, it's very much, oh, here's the weekly squash.
1: Yes. Like, I also like the idea of Serena D being, like, you can do all your spooky bollocks all you want. I'm going to snap you, Julia.
2: Yeah, like, um, I appeared in a straight... Put the roses out there calling out everyone as well. This is it. Like, they are... the, The signs are there. And bear in mind, this is a product without, arguably, its biggest star. Like, Britt Baker is... Yeah. Like AWOL. um, At whatever point they choose to bring her back as a character, she comes in at the top of the car. Jamie Hater will be recovering from her injury. Very much the same. And I think there are reasons to be cheerful. I do. Yeah. And both these matches will be physical evidence of that, if not both quite short. One of the
1: reasons why we record this on a Friday and release it on a Friday is because a lot of the time, they usually go after Rampage. It's 12 matches you didn't know about for Collision. I'm like, brilliant. Could have really done with knowing that on Friday <laughs> afternoon, Tony. Uh, we do know sort of one of the matches on uh, Collision. It's Orange Mm. Cassidy defending the international title, but until Rampage happens, and I'm not going to go on the spoilers and spoil anything for you, don't worry. Okay. We don't know who his opponent's going to be. He said, put my friends and enemies and and people together in a match, and whoever wins that, I'll face on Collision for the international title. The people are El Hijo, del Vikingo, Commander, Kip Sabian, and The Butcher. How does this factor into your discussion on Dynamite of... Is this kind of pointless because we know it's Cassidy versus Roderick Strong at
2: the Pape? I think you've got to do, like, you've got to do... to see Orange Cassidy butcher again, by the way. Well, I would. I was just going to say, right, so my favourite from that list you just read out is the butcher. But I think you have to do, like, like reverse, reverse, reverse psychology okay. on Tony Khan on the booking here. Because I think they're, obviously, they've told you that Roderick Strong wants the belt and he's ready to beat Orange Cassidy for it. yes. At the same time, they are showing you that, like, Trent's going to turn, right? Yes. Like, him and the best friends, it's coming to an end, and either potentially he screws Orange Cassidy out of the belt, or he gets a shot himself before Strong. or something. You know, like, I could see him screwing Cassidy against Roderick Strong, by the way. But in order for that to happen, and it, like, sort of hit its peak, I guess, Orange Cassidy has to fight people that you know... It's such confidence he's going to beat that you're not remotely thinking that the strong match is in jeopardy. Like, if he fights the Butcher, I have to go into this match watching the Butcher as a designated jobber. I don't really want to think that. Like, they've shown you the Roderick Strong match. It's there. And the Butcher, should he get his hands in a singular situation on any single star, I want him to wreck him. Right? I don't just want to, like, this shouldn't be. The Butcher, I know that AW was a lot about obvious winner versus obvious loser. Even though he loses more than he wins, the butcher should never feel like he's in that no. right hand column. So that makes me think, well, he can't win. Then you've got, was it Vikingo and Commander? Yes. I don't think they put titles on either of them, do no. I think Not this
1: title especially.
2: No. Unfortunately we know where they sit at the moment, which is in a stable when Tony Khan just groups the Luchadors together. I don't <laughs> like it anymore. I also think like their act is like, in grave danger. For how exhilarating it is to see live, it's in grave danger of becoming stale. Unacceptable. So, like, I think it's probably high time that you take... You f- remember when we were like, the is going to be on Dynamite? I, like, you need to take a full step back from just having them feature randomly in title shots like this and figure out exactly how you want them to factor into the rankings. Yeah. If you're insisting on just forcing them together, like, look at them as a serious trio and like Phoenix or whatever and have them start winning matches and maybe like, let's see if we can make the trios division look like the version people like wanted in 2019. Yeah. Who was the last guy? Uh, Kip Sabian. Right. You would never pick him, but as I say, reverse, reverse, reverse psychology. Yeah. He's the guy that I visualize losing to Orange Cassidy in one of those, but hell! Kip Sabian's getting a go. Yeah. You, know, do you see what I mean? Like it's, like, long and short of this, I, pro- I should probably say Commander, but I just feel like if I do the crystal <coughs> maze of, like, trying to get the crystal and doing, the, doing all the puzzles, I feel like I can see the Orange Cassidy, Kip Sabian dynamite graphic and Trent looking on and, like, Orange Cassidy maybe shaking Kip Sabian's hand at the end when he just falls short and, like, there's a sort of affection, to Kip, even as a heel, there's a sort of affection towards Kip Sabian because he's been there since the beginning. And, like, Orange Cassidy, yeah, not bad that, mate. And then Trent being a bit of a dick. Get out of the way. Like you're not a friend of you're not a friend of ours and you never were. Puts a box on Orange Cassidy's head and he puts the sunglasses on the top of it. Wait a minute. You say box on his head. I say cake because there's wedding law between Orange Cassidy and Ooh. Kip Sabian. No, that's right, isn't it? Isn't that so. best friends and um uh was it Kip Sabian and Mirror? The gaming lads, whatever. Yeah, call yeah, it. that went on for about six years, didn't it? So there's history. What was the uh, match that kicked ass? Arcade Anarchy. That was it. I Kip Sabian in it. That was yeah. unbelievable, that was. Aye, so should probably be Vikingo or Commander. I'll go with Kip Sabian.
1: Okay. We'll just wait and see Where's I the... want to watch
2: the Butcher match. Maybe this is good booking.
1: <laughs> Makes you want to watch the freshly quick we... thing. Uh Heart says. Uh Hart says Butcher. Mm-hmm. Head says Vikingo. I feel like he's fought Commander previously. For the... Yeah, you might be right, actually. I don't know. I shouldn't go on his. I was going to go on his cage match. Then I remember that. I just spoil the result for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you right now. No, I won't. <laughs> here it is. I won't tell you who wins the freshly squeezed forward. They are stacking rampage again now. Aye. It's weird. Aside from you know booking Chris Jericho on that show for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Let's move on to the main event, presumably of the night. The uh, steel cage elimination match. It's FTR and their new best mate Daniel Garcia versus the House of Bleggie. How do you see this one? Not only how do you see this one playing out in terms of the result, but in el- the elimination factor mm. makes it even more interesting.
2: Yeah, I uh, I like um, the elimination cages are funny, right? Because obviously the motivation is in the um, the baby faces. Hey, so just to sound clear on this, a pinfall eliminates one of your opponents, the opponent that's been pinned, or you have to escape the cage to escape the cage? Oh, I just assumed, yeah. the WWE pinfall. tag cages are like, oh, my partner's climbed out, one, now I'm in trouble. Oh, will double-check that one. I just assumed, yeah, of course. But like partners, either way. I'm
1: assuming, yeah, pinfalls or submissions, you're out.
2: Yeah, three on two, I'm whatever. thinking they're
1: like, oh, what if it's FTR and Daniel Garcia, but then all they've got to get through is Brody King.
2: Aye. Um, I could well see uh, this coming down to... Uh Daniel Garcia and at least two members of the AUB. Yeah, maybe Daniel Garcia and Malachi and um Brody King, for example. Uh let's say FTR have eliminated Buddy, but then as the time has gone on, both of those have been eliminated. This is really funny because I think they're gonna attempt a uh clash of old versus new. What, Adam Wilborn, um, would you like to go to the cinema to watch if you were able in this country right now? Or film currently? The Iron Claw. The Iron Claw. Um, as Adele herself said, not my wife, the singer, should have won all the f***ing Oscars. Right? <laughs> and for those that don't know, and many do, obviously the Iron Claw is about the Von Erichs and world-class championship wrestling came alive. The territory that was on fire in the mid-80s when... Uh, the Freebirds and Von Eric's feud kicked off on Christmas Day around a steel cage match where the Freebirds smashed the cage door into Caravan Eric's face, allowing Ric Flair to retain the title. I think Dax is going to desperately want a piece of tonight. I think, or tomorrow. I could well see um, some enormous drama where Dax is by a cage door and he wants to try and go and help. Daniel Garcia or something like that. And then the door gets snatched out of his hands by Buddy Matthews. He's also circling the perimeter. And he smashes the door on Daniel Garcia's face. And everybody's bleeding and all this sort of stuff. And I think the House of Black... Uh, do that, explain this to me. Based on the book in patterns, is this the end of the feud for FTR and Daniel Garcia to win? Or is this the big set-piece moment where House of Black win and Evil... Evil Reigns, that sort of, like, which... no.
1: no, every time I think this... I mean, I'm not complaining. I love watching it's these There's been, like, guys a interact. lot of it, not yeah. there? Yeah. It was the one where it was like, right, well, FDR, FDR lose, then they have to join the House of Black. And then they won. Yeah. And it was like, okay. And then it was like, oh, now is involved in it, and, you know, you've won the match, but we've immediately jumped you afterwards and kicked mm-hmm. the crap out of you and attacked you with or the lights have gone off after you won a different match and we've come after you. I don't know if this is the, uh, it's, uh, for a steel cage elimination match, it's wild to say, I don't know think this is the blow off or not. I know,
2: that's what I like, because I, I feel like I can visualise the House of Black in the cage at the end, and like a bloody and beaten Dino Garcia, like in the cage, and FTR not able to get in and help him, and then Garcia thinking, like, I came to you because I was, I was a man without an island, I was lost, <laughs> and the House of Black have absolutely decimated me in this cage, and it's to like lead to something bigger down the line. I feel like that's there, but I don't know if I'm misjudging the dramatic heft in that, and this is just as simple as, <laughs> I ain't no Southern pro wrestler. Oh, no, wait, I am. And we've settled things <laughs> in a goddamn steel cage, and it just gets settled. AEW <laughs> cage matches are sort of goaded, but also sort of weird. Yes. Like, the I, shape I hope, of it.
1: I hope it's a win for FTR and Garcia, because I hope it's a, a signifier of, like, rankings are back, and we are going to start doing... You know, uh, maybe Malachi is a singles wrestler. Mm-hmm. Can dream. Maybe Brody and Buddy go after the tag titles. Maybe the three of them say, okay, it's a bit of a blood feud. Let's just focus on being a kick-ass trio and take the titles back off the acclaimed and daddy ass. Or the you what, Bing Bing Gang or the Bang Bing Scissor Gang whatever.
2: Either through eliminations and the wrestlers being out the cage or just simply being in there. I tell you what I think there's going to be a bit of in this one. Some handcuffs and heat. I think some baby faces <laughs> getting handcuffed and getting beaten down. And you're going to witness, like, um, I don't know, like, Dax being held back or being on the outside of the can. we're like, no, Danny! And then, like, you're going to have Alistair, Malachi Black booting his head off or something like that. And the whole deal, all the sympathy, all of that. And how's the Black going to revel in that tonight. I love, we've talked about this before, um, there is something to when the House of Black specifically, as silly as you might find some of the gimmick, and I certainly do, there's something specifically about what it looks like when those three round on a single individual. It's really intimidating. Like that beatdown the other week when friggin' Julia Hart was ringing the bell 10 times as well. Yeah. That was so, like, unsettling. There was the spot in... Uh, cause this must be the first Collision since last August, right? There was a spot in <laughs> from Collision Season 1... Where it was CM FTR versus the Hazy Black, and Punk went cross-legged with uh, Malachi and then suddenly Brody and Buddy appeared, and you're like, oh Jesus Christ, Punk, get up. <laughs> and then FTR appeared with him, and it's like, let's go. Yeah. Like, steal it. Just steal it. Yeah. Like, there's like, there's all sorts of cool uh, trios, three-man stuff you can do with the House of Black as a like as a force of nature. And the cage, I think, is just like completely like top off the aesthetic. Yeah, can't wait to see
1: this. Let us know your thoughts ahead of AEW Collision this weekend on it at WhatCultureWWE. WWE. Watch, well, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamfler at... Michael Hamfler. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. So send Sidgwick your well wishes at M msidgwick, of course, at what Culture WWE for all of us, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling Wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts, our SmackDown Preview is available right now. Wrestle Culture is coming your way later on today. And we'll be back in one way or another to review AEW Collision On Monday. For now, though, this has been the Collision Preview. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.